0: Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. You know, I I typically begin the program by saying we have a very special episode in store for you. Uh, Today might be the most special I ever have, at least in what it means to me. We're going into the archives today, and we're going to share with you a -a one-of-a-kind recording. It's uh, 13 years old, and it's of my great friend and mentor, Zig Ziglar. In March of 2007, a few years before this recording, Zig had fallen down a flight of stairs and cracked his skull and really hurt himself. And um, he was never quite the same again. It resulted in a very serious uh, short-term memory loss. And a a few years after the accident, I realized, you know, time is getting short. I'd like to get something recorded. And so I flew with my camera crew to Dallas and we spent an entire day. We actually spent 12 hours with Zig. And what I did was I had Zig sit in front of a screen watching clips of him in his prime. Some of the funniest, most insightful, most wise stuff he ever had to share. And then I had him comment on it as a, uh, a, a, a seasoned old vet watching this, and um, it was a magical day. it was a magical day it's uh if you can picture the days in your life that you 'll never forget you know i 'll never forget the day I got married i 'll never forget the day I came to faith i 'll never forget the day each one of my kids was born i 'll never forget interviewing Neil Armstrong and right up there with all of those is this day i 'm about to share with you, and uh, I think of it often. I have a picture of this day in my office I look at every single day. And um, we brought this together where we had film of Zig commenting on Zig and then my own recollections of it. And we showed it one time at our Mastermind Summit. And by the way, if you ever get a chance to go to our live Mastermind Summit, and I especially this year loved, I did a meet and greet a couple times uh, with thousands of people there. And one of my favorite parts was actually having folks who just listened to the podcast. They'd never been to a seminar. They, they hadn't been in our coaching program yet or any of those types of things. So for those of you out there who are in the podcast audience, I'd love to see a live event. And the event to come to would be Mastermind. And we do things at Mastermind. They just, they air one time and they're never seen again. Uh, content I'll cover at Mastermind that I'll never teach on again. And it's a spectacular, spectacular time. And this is one of those. And so 13 years ago, we aired this, and i got to be honest with you, in preparing for this uh, today, I was very emotional looking at this, very powerful, and it struck me how profound and timeless Zig's content was. I knew it at the time. I've always known it about Zig. I've always known it about Jim Rohn and these guys that were principle-based guys, but I watched this with new eyes, not just of the memory of the day, not just of the memories of Mastermind. But really, uh, it put me back in that mode of uh, sitting and listening to Zig and how timeless the content is. It's very, very powerful. And uh, we're going to start off today, and you're going to hear Zig sharing right out of the gate the content that he's best known for, and that is talking about attitude. And if ever we all needed an adjustment to our attitudes, it's right now. Well, here's the greatest guy that ever spoke on the subject of attitude ever. Please enjoy the inside track on Zig Ziglar.
1: The scene is Phoenix, Arizona. My son and I had been playing in a golf tournament out there. During the tournament, the weather was absolutely magnificent. But the day we were headed back to Dallas, it was raining and hail was falling. It was a mess. By the time we got to the airport, we got soaking wet trying to get into the airport itself. We went down there about 3,212 people in the airport, got down to the line and 476 of them about We're waiting in line. We obviously didn't get to the front of the line. The gate agent, uh, when we first got there, was a fair-skinned, blue-eyed blonde. But everybody that came along were dumping on him. I mean, they blamed him for the weather. They blamed him for the computer foul-up. They blamed him for the world economy. They blamed him for everything. By the time we got to him, he looked like the cruise director for the Titanic. I mean, uh, somebody had licked all the red off of his candy. Uh, you know, he, he, he was in bad shape. As a matter of fact, by the time we got to him, uh, the red uh, in his neck had moved all the way up, and he was a flaming redhead. Well, as is my custom, when I greeted him, it was with a lot of enthusiasm. I said, well, how you done?" He said, compared to who? I said, compared to that person who doesn't have a job of any kind, who doesn't have nice warm clothes to wear, who has no future that he can call his own, who lives in a land where there is no freedom of speech or travel, who does not know from one day to the next what is going to happen to him. I said, how you doing? You've never seen such a radical change in a human being. He smiled broadly and he said, I'm doing wonderfully well, and thank you so much for reminding me. A lot of times we need to be reminded, don't we? The young man got so excited, he got so carried away, he was so appreciative of the fact that I'd called something to his attention that he moved my son and me up to first class. (laughs) Now, as we walked in... uh, I could not help but notice that he was greeting the other people in an entirely different way, more pleasantly, more courteously. Now, the weather was still bad. The computer was still fouled up. The economy had not changed. The only thing that had changed was his attitude. And his attitude changed because the input in his mind had changed. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think with the new attitude, he's got a reasonably good chance of keeping his job? Can I see your hands, please? How many of you believe he might even get a promotion if he keeps the attitude that I left him with? Can I see your hands? How many of you believe that if he's married with children, when he got home, he was a better husband and a better father? Can I see your hands, please, all right? Now, let me ask you some questions. How much did I teach him about being better on his job? How much did I teach him about being a better husband, a better father, a better man, Absolutely nothing. And yet all of it radically changed simply because the attitude had changed because the input in his mind had changed. You'll hear me say this a lot. You're what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind.
0: So now be honest with me. You were cracking yourself up right there, weren't you?
1: <laughs> you uh, it's I, good to I, laugh at yourself. Yeah. I, I admit <laughs> that I was excited. <laughs> and I've used that in my mind. In fact, in
0: my, my travels, my brothers and I have, on more than one occasion, gotten the upgrade to first class. But it's more than just improving your seat, isn't it? It's improving it's, your oh, life.
1: Absolutely.
0: Uh, nothing really encapsulates your work of the last 40 years more so than probably... Uh, in inspiring people to take control of their attitude, improve their
1: attitude, and that it's a choice. The first thing I would say is always remember, it's not what happens out there, it's what happens in here, mm. because you don't have to join the loser's crowd. Mm. You're in America, mm. the home of the brave and the land of the free, mm. and God has never created any junk. You are here for a purpose, Now you've got the purpose. Mm. I'm serious when I say that. I never worry. I always go prepared. I never exaggerate anything. I never brag on myself. Mm. The only thing I will ever say is that my experience tells me, Mm. and it's been that if I will do the right thing in the right way, I'm in a better position to help others do the same thing. Wow. I believe that with all my heart.
0: And you're living it today. Your attitude yeah. is is phenomenal. And so you, you not worrying. I mean, now, that is a malady that most people are crippled with every day of their life. There there's so many things going on in our world today, Zig, with yeah. the economy
1: and what's going on in the world. Uh, but how, how do you avoid worrying? Well, I avoid it simply by not listening. <laughs> I'm serious. When people talk about how tough things are... I said, man alive, let me remind you of something. You know where you live? Encouraging them. That's the magic word. Encouragement is the fuel on which hope runs. Ooh, I love that. Yep. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Now, the first time I use it, I'll quote you, okay? <laughs> just, just give me credit. And, uh, <laughs> and if you think it's worth cash, send somebody. <laughs> Great stuff. He's a funny man, isn't
0: he? Um, Tom and Zig go work out at the local gym at least three times a week. He uh, wears a T-shirt that says, no, I'm not on steroids, but thanks for asking. (laughs) Now, the other side is, uh, how many of you in here need to sell something uh, to make a living? Could I see your hands, please? Uh, How many kids do we have in here under the age of 21? Let me see your hand. 21 or young. Yeah, you are the greatest salespeople in the world. And we need to learn from you. Somewhere between salespeople and con artists is, is a good thing. <laughs> so I asked Zig Ziglar. Here's a man who spent his whole life in sales. Pots and pans. Many of you have heard the stories of pots and pans. His secrets of closing the sale, uh, I believe, is the most uh, sold series ever on in sales training, uh, the audio version. And so I like, hey, we want to get things going. I wanted his perspective. You know, in today's world, we we don't want to be considered salespeople and all those kinds of things. We don't want to be pushy salespeople. But I wanted his perspective today on where uh, he was and what he thought. So we're going to have a look right now on, on some tips that Zig has for sales and making sales, because I think that's part of a comeback. Would you guys agree?
1: You've been a lifelong salesman. You sold pots and pans door to door, isn't that right? Uh, That's absolutely right. Yeah, and before I was selling pots and pans, I sold uh, vegetables and peanuts right there on the the, you know. I worked my way through the first grade. Wow, (laughs) through the first grade, (laughs) through first grade, I I really did. I bought my own clothes when I was in the first grade. I need to institute that in my family. I need (laughs) to get my kids earning. I'd like you to please understand this. Every close won't work for everybody selling everything. Your experience, your judgment, and your common sense will be the determining factors. Now, you might be asking yourself, well, Ziegler, why do we need to know so many closes anyhow? Well, let me give you a basic reason for that. Dr. Herb True did some research at Notre Dame University he discovered that only 4% of all of the salespeople in America will ask for the order five or more times. I want to emphasize something. They do not necessarily ask those five times in the same interview. There are many presentations where, in fact, you do not ask for the order simply because you're gaining information so that you can make a legitimate proposal to them. When you're talking uh, thousands and sometimes hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars, you don't walk in, make a presentation very many times, and walk out with a multi-million dollar contract. Though it does happen, especially if you expect it to happen. But what Dr. True discovered was simply this. Those who asked for the order over a period of time, sometimes in one sitting, more often in two or three sittings, at least five times, those 4% closed over 60% of all of the sales, meaning simply that they made over 60% of all of the income. You got to ask for the order. When I first got started in selling, One of the first things I was told was you close early, you close often, and you close late. How many of you have ever been told that, especially when you first got started in selling? Yeah, well, the uh, question comes up, how early is early? Let me emphasize this as strongly as I can emphasize it. You never ask for the order until you have given them some legitimate, logical reason for giving you a yes answer. If you've not given them value before you ask for the order, you come across as a high-pressure type salesperson. I want to get this over and move on to the next prospect. Now, that's one of the reasons you give that value first, because once the prospect has said no, a little barrier goes up. You can get over it, uh, but it is more difficult than if the barrier had never been raised. So give value before you ask for the order.
0: Well, That was fun looking at that good-looking devil there (laughs) doing the sales training. Uh, I was ready to buy from him whatever he was selling that day. (laughs)
1: Well, I think the biggest mistake we make in America is that we don't emphasize the fact that after you get your college education, now you need to know how to make money. Mm-hmm. And you need to know how to raise a family. Yep. You need to have, know how to teach people, your children particularly, what the right thing is and the way to do it. Mm. We train a system in trying to teach people to
0: provide value for their customers and yeah. to try to exceed their expectations. And people don't want to be a, a high-pressure salespeople person. Because of that, a lot of folks are afraid to ask for the order. Yeah. Now, as a speaker, you've been a great salesman. As a salesman, you've done this many years. What, what, what advice would you give to someone who's reluctant to ask for the order?
1: I'd say, well, if, if you're reluctant to ask for the order, I, I, I'll just tell you factly, but you don't have a chance to make a sale until you ask. Mm. And if you guys are married, you know, you probably had the experience of asking your wife to marry you, not just once or twice yeah. or a third time, but you kept <laughs> asking because you knew what you wanted. I had to ask many times. <laughs> and so what I'm saying to you is be certain you've got something that you're selling that, people want Mm -hmm. and need Mm -hmm. and when you take that approach then you're less likely to get all of that stuff about well you know things are bad right now Mm -hmm. no no you have shown through your inspiration that you give them they are listening and if you follow through in a kindly friendly way not overselling, Mm. but simply telling the benefits, and here's what happens when you do enjoy the benefits. Mm -hmm. Beautiful stuff. And in our case, it's selling homes, so when they get to buy it, they get a happy
0: ending, right? That's exactly right. That's great. Learning how to sell is a very important skill. I believe it's an essential uh, skill. Just so you know, I don't know any any uh, school in America that teaches that. There's marketing classes. There's all kinds of classes. But who actually tells you how to do this stuff? In the previous session, I talked about that, you know, a free market capitalistic system. Nothing happens in a capitalistic system until somebody sells something and somebody buys something. It's the key component. Now, because sales is done so poorly, and because sales is done so transactionally, um, we're all not only put off by those experiences, but we also don't ever want to be considered as this pushy salesperson. How many of you have experienced poor salesmanship? Let me see your hands. It's the worst. And it's, I, in my opinion, I think it's getting worse. At customer service and sales, it's like unbelievable. The fact of the matter is, There are these principles that we must embrace. However, he said something. If you don't ask for the order, if you want to ask somebody to buy something, they're never going to buy. And a lot of times we're waiting around for someone to buy from us because we don't want to sell somebody something. Now, a pushy salesperson is trying to get somebody to make a purchase they don't want to make. A skilled salesperson is someone who's helping somebody make a decision they need to make. Did you guys catch that? Yes or no? Okay, And that's what we do. We help people make decisions. And in our case, we have to be very skilled because for the most of the people in this room, we're helping people make a big decision about their biggest purchase or about their biggest sale or about something that holds a lot of emotion. Well, as we all know, you can have all the greatest sales skills in the world, but if you don't have any leads, there's no one to sell. Is that a true statement? Seven of you realize that. Is that true? <laughs> this next section right here, uh, this was very cool for me. Because, in, in my opinion, Zig is known for his work on attitude and as a master motivator. No question, that's his brand. But if there's one message that he shared over the years that I think has, I mean, incredible genius behind it, and I'm not overstating that. How many of you have ever seen Zig Ziglar with the pump? Can I see your hands? This water pump. And there are principles here. There's principles to listen to here. The principle that you have to prime the pump, you have to put water in, you have to put something back in before you get something back out. The fact that you have to work and work and work to create that momentum, to get that water from the ground all the way up, and that most people, they start off strong, but then like Lou Hull said, they cop out, they drop out, and momentum goes down. I know so many people who've done very, very well with even our systems, did real well, did real well, did real well, and then things got tough, and they stop pumping. This is a critical principle. And I, I would say from a teaching standpoint, there's, there's things that are here that are, we're going to look at that are powerful, that are funny, that are entertaining. But if I was to say if there's one t- thing I would like everyone to get away from today, and I don't care what business you're in, every single person in this room, this is applicable to life, it's applicable to business, it's applicable to work, it's applicable to school, it's a- applicable to everything you'll ever do in your life. And I believe there's genius behind this illustration. And it's such a great visual that we keep it in our mind. Zig, in our system, and and you've written about our company in very flattering terms, and I've been appreciative of all your support over the years, we are always teaching and training our salespeople to stay in contact, to stay, uh, build relationships, provide value, or as they say in Mississippi, value. And uh, so we, we've been doing this for years and teaching folks to stay the course. And it seems the hardest thing we have to do is to, to help people be consistent. The hardest thing we have is to stay on track. And so I want to watch this video together, which is this is your prime the pump. It's, it's the image that so many people associate with you, a phenomenal image. But I think it's so true, and, and of all we've seen in 15 years of coaching, Tens of thousands of people, the folks that stay the course and keep priming the pump are the ones who win and the ones who give up are the ones who don't win. So let's take a look at this together.
1: I got a couple of good friends who many, many years ago were riding around in the South Alabama foothills. It was a hot August day and uh, they got thirsty. Bernard Haygood was driving, Jimmy Glenn was the passenger. They pulled behind this old abandoned farmhouse, and uh, Bernard hopped out. He ran over, and there was an old uh, pump on the well, and he grabbed the handle and he started the pump. How many of you have ever used one of these old fashioned water pumps? Can I see your hand, please? Okay, well, he had pump in pumping away. You know, It. after about three or four minutes, he said, Jimmy. Better get that old bucket over there and dip some water out of the creek. We're going to have to prime the pump. How I many of you know what I'm talking about when I say you've got to prime the pump? Well, for you underprivileged non-pumpers, that just means you've got to put something in here before you get something out there. Can't you just see an old farmer standing out in the fields in October and saying, Lord, I know I didn't plant a thing this year, but if you give me a big crop this year, I'll plant more than anybody next year. It ain't that way, folks. You got to put something in before you can expect to get anything out. Well, he's just a pumping away. You know, that's hot. It's August. I mean, uh, the question is, just how much pumping are you going to do for a drink of water? And finally, old Bernard said, you know, Jimmy, I don't believe it's any water down there. Jimmy said, yeah, it is, Bernard. You know, in South Alabama, the wells are deep. Oh, we're glad they're deep because the deeper the well, the cooler, the cleaner, the sweeter, the purer, the better tasting the water. And isn't that true of life? Isn't it true that anything worth doing is worth doing poorly? Until you can learn to do it well. We'll never know how much more success we would have had had we just had a little more pumping in there and pump and pump and pump and pump. pump. Well, finally, old Bernard just got disgusted. He threw up his hand and said, Jimmy, there's just no water down there. Jimmy said, don't stop, Bernard. Don't stop. If you stop there, water's going to go all the way back down and then you're going to have to start all... The reality is, folks, and I'm totally convinced of this, this is the story of America, this is your story, this is the story of success, this is the story of life. I believe with all of my heart that if you will pump long enough and hard enough and enthusiastically enough, that eventually the reward is going to follow the effort, and then once that water starts to flow, all you got to do is just keep a little easy, steady pressure on it, and you're going to get more water than you can possibly
0: i have wanted to prime this pump for how many years now here it is the real deal this travel with you yeah this came boy this is a hardy pump yeah but you know what great stuff I, I realize now i need to work out harder on stage you worked out so much that's why you're so fit after all these years but you know everybody wants to get to that place where it's easy yeah. You know, everybody wants to get to heaven, but no one wants to die to get there. Yeah. Everybody wants to change their circumstances, but many people don't want to put the hard work in up front, yeah. and, and they don't keep the momentum. And I think this is the genius behind this illustration, is that you work hard, you work hard, that momentum does pay yeah. off, and then it becomes easy. And it seems the principle here is that you put in the hard work up front, then you get to enjoy the spoils. Our culture today seems to want the spoils,
1: but doesn't want to doesn't want to do the work one
0: of the
1: reasons i never worry is i'm always busy Mm. i'm always doing something Mm -hmm. Uh, i would no more go on a trip without my book that i'm reading then written by somebody that knows what they're talking about Mm -hmm. i always am a student I wish the educational system would say that. You know, a lot of time they say, "Well, now you've got your college degree; you're an educated person. Now go get 'em." Mm-hmm. Well, it's better to have it than not have it. But I got to tell you, it's a difference when you got to support a family yeah. and got to work in a community where everybody else is doing the right thing. You right. Know, and so well, and so I certainly became a better student after school than I was in school. Yeah,
0: uh, that's for sure. And I, I think. You know, you've always talked about turning your class into a mobile university. Yeah. You've talked about listening to tapes and listening to CDs and reading yeah. the books and staying yeah. positive. And I've certainly made that my lifestyle. The folks watching here today have made it their lifestyle. Um, you're 83 years of age and still reading and still learning
1: and still growing right now yeah. and still working, still busy. Yeah. Oh, you're have, still speaking oh, and traveling, right? <laughs> and having more fun than anybody I know. <laughs> I get uh, so much joy out of changing people's lives uh-huh. where they'd been struggling, and now they're right out there, you know, yeah. doing things. Boy, that, that, the joy of success is just beyond belief, right. you know. A friend of mine once said, help enough people get what they, they want, want, and you'll get everything you want. That's right. He's a good man. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was on the ball there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. Very emotional for me to hear Zig talking about prime of the pump. This picture I shared uh, that I have in my office is Zig and I holding the handle of that water pump together. And on that day, at the end of the day, he put my hand on the handle of the pump. He put his hand on top of my hand and then just said, Brian, it's your turn. You just got to keep on pumping. So this today is really part of this series of what I learned from, you know, episode 138. I shared what I learned from Lou Holtz. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did What I Learned from Jim Rohn. And then this really is a, What I Learned from Zig Ziglar. So make sure you tune in next week for the second part of this. Zig's going to share his thoughts on money, having a sense of humor, and something that transformed my family, which is his message on raising positive kids in a negative world. Hope you tune in. I hope you enjoyed today. And here's my mom with her little Irish blessing. And listen to it. Just take a couple more seconds and receive this blessing from my mother today as if it's the first time you ever heard it. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.